0: Are you tired of scrolling your feed only to see the highlight reel version of motherhood? If so, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Motherhood Intended Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Baird, and I'm a passionate mom here to support women like you in their unique journeys to and through motherhood. I have been through it all. We're going to be talking about things like trying to conceive, infertility, IVF, surrogacy, mom life, and more. It's time to get real about what it takes to be a mom and come together in the fact that things don't always go as planned. So here we go. Hey, it's Jacqueline. Welcome to the Motherhood Intended podcast. Can you believe that we're in the final countdown of wrapping up season one of the show? I know, I can't believe it either. After this episode, there's only two episodes left in season one. Man, I don't know about you, but time is flying. If you would have told me last year that I would be starting a podcast and within three months have almost 8,000 downloads, grow a community with more than 400 women in it, record 30 episodes, and be listed as a top trailer on Apple Podcasts, I would have been like, yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, right. I am busy. I am a mom just trying to figure it all out. I've got two preschoolers. I'm trying to navigate a surrogacy journey in hopes of having another baby. I'm dealing with grief and everything else life throws at us. I would have been like, yeah, there's no time for that. But you know what? I listened to my gut. I knew I had to share my story and I knew I could put my voice to good use. So thank you for hanging with me this first season. I have so much in store for this next season. Now, like I said, we still have two episodes left and then I'll be taking a two month hiatus, which don't worry, it is being put to good use all in the name of the podcast. I have so many amazing interviews lined up, awesome resources in the works and just very exciting things coming for season two of the Motherhood Intended podcast. In the meantime, over the next couple months, I do need your help. There is a way that we can take this podcast to the next level, but it's going to be a team effort. So I am competing in the Super Mom 2023 competition. This competition is to support the Children's Miracle Network hospitals, and it's all about votes voting for one mom to take the title of Super Mom 2023. Now, I'm proud to say that I've already on my way to advancing to the third round of this competition, but every vote counts and I could really use your help. There's a link in the show notes and you can also find it on my Instagram bio, but you can vote for free every single day or you can make a donation vote that counts for even more votes. And it goes directly to supporting the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals nonprofit organization. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that my oldest son was born a micro preemie at 24 weeks and spent the first four months of his life in the hospital. Both of my sons have also been in and out of the hospital with complications related to viruses and asthma over the last year. So any organization that supports children's hospitals is going to be near and dear to my heart. So if you'd like to join me in supporting this cause and helping me receive the title of Supermom 2023 please click the link and consider making a daily vote or a donation vote. If I win this competition, it is going to mean amazing things for the podcast. And that's why I want your help. My listeners, I know that you can help take this podcast to the next level. You've been so loyal this far, and I love how everyone shares the show with their friends, reaches out to me with feedback. It really feels like a team effort, which is truly amazing, and is the whole point of this podcast. We are a community. And if you haven't joined the community yet, go to Facebook and look up Motherhood Intended Community. There's also a link in the show notes, but we'd love to have you. One thing the winner of the competition gets is a two-page spread in Women's World Magazine. Can you imagine if I won, how many people we could tell about the Motherhood Intended podcast, if I had that kind of exposure, it's super exciting to think about. And I would love to get so many more eyes on this show because the mission of this podcast is to share stories from women that go beyond the typical highlight reels that we're always scrolling on our feeds, right? We wanna have conversations that women can come together in. Our experiences, the different paths we take to motherhood, the struggles we feel in motherhood once we're there. We're talking about it, we're sharing it, and we're coming together as a community. I truly don't think any woman should feel alone in the things that they experience. And a lot of times it's just because these are not conversations that are being had. Everyone's posting their highlight reels and we're not talking about the hard stuff. So place your vote. I would love to get Women's World Magazine exposure on the podcast. Okay, on to today's episode. So I had the pleasure of chatting with Karen Hall. Karen Hall. She is a mom with four grown children. She is a lactation consultant and a life coach. She also is the host of her own podcast called The Hero Within. I am very excited to be talking on her podcast as well, so you will have to give it a listen. And interestingly enough, Karen was also a preemie herself. She was born two and a half months early. Karen shares some motherhood stories as well as the birth experiences she had with each of her four children. Take a listen. Hi, Karen. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Yes, I'm so happy to have you. And I can't wait to hear your story as it relates to motherhood. So why don't we first start from the beginning? Tell us a little bit about yourself. And then I would love for listeners to hear your own birth story, because I know a little bit, but I'd love for (laughs) you to get into that.
1: Well, you want me to tell you about my life currently and then go back in time? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So I'm married and I have four kids and my four kids are all married and grown. And so now I'm an empty nester, but I was a full-time mom for many, many, many years. And as soon as my first child was born, I stopped working and stayed home. And I really loved being a mom and I felt like it was really important to be there for my kids. And so then when after my youngest, I think he was about eight or nine or something. And my oldest had graduated from high school. Then I started working part-time. And anyway, I'm also, but I was doing volunteer work at the time. I'm a, a lactation consultant. I'm also a dietitian and I'm also a life coach. And so I did health and wellness coaching and relationship coaching. And I did a lot of volunteer work during that time. So that's just like in a nutshell about me. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. As I was listening, I was like, we have a lot in common because I, um, same thing. It was when my, I think my son was one when I started working from home and then I, it's only been five years, but I did that. Then I dabbled in part-time. Now I'm back to just doing podcasting and all the things, but um, yeah, we have another thing in common and that would be that so I have a preemie and you were born premature. This is a first because normally I am talking to women about, you know, their children, which I would love to hear more about your family and your own birth experiences and everything as well. But knowing that you were a preemie yourself, I would love to hear a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. So my, my mom and dad got married, and I was like a honeymoon baby. I was born um six and a half months along. So I was two and a half months premature, and I was two pounds, 10 ounces, and they told my mom that I would probably be, that I probably wouldn't live. And then I lost weight down to one pound, 13 ounces. And so they whisked me off to the incubator. And back in those days, it was very different. My mom wasn't allowed to touch me for the whole two and a half months and she couldn't nurse me. She didn't, nobody, you know, had suggested that she express milk or anything, but um, I don't know if she, would have felt comfortable doing that, you know. With that, it was pretty traumatic the birth, right. you know, for her. Yeah. And yeah. um, so anyway, I I was just in this little incubator, and um, and then I I started to to gain a little bit of weight, and they said, okay, maybe she's maybe she is going to live, <laughs> but if she lives, maybe she'll just be um blind, Um, because that's real common with preemies because of the oxygen levels, and so. So my mom was really prepared. She was prepared that I was going to die. I think she was scared to death that I was going to die because she told me she she was just worried sick and they scrubbed the whole house. (laughs) My grandma was a smoker Mm -hmm. and, and, and my mom had always wanted my grandma to quit smoking. That's my mom's mom, but my grandma didn't until I was born. And then she was like, Not smoking another cigarette, just cold turkey. Cold turkey. (laughs) Turkey. (laughs) And they just cleaned and cleaned and cleaned anyway. And so in July, I came home. But my mom, she was just really afraid. And I I had a little bit of, um, she didn't know if it was colic or what it was, but I cried. And I can remember about one of my earliest memories. I don't remember what age I was, maybe 18 months or two years old or somewhere. But I can remember my dad rocking me and my stomach feeling upset. And my mom said that my dad rocked me all the time when I was a baby. He would come home from work and he would hold me. He was a teacher. Mm -hmm. So he would come home and hold me and rock me. (laughs) Yeah. And I love, I have a real close relationship with my dad, Mm -hmm. but there was an attachment issue there. My mom was afraid I was going to die. I think she had a hard time attaching to me. And and I had, you know, I had pre-verbal trauma, which I didn't know it then, (laughs) but basically I'm sure that I you know, just felt like the world was a scary place. Cause I was, I was a little bit scared as, as a youngster. And so yeah. my mom, she was always giving me pep talks to help me to overcome my fears. And I could tell you all kinds of childhood stories, but that's yeah. my first.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's just so interesting hearing from an adult who was a premier, even just a little bit, you just shared because, you know, with my son being born at 24 weeks and again, he was two pounds, one ounce born. And then, you know, he, I think to dip down under two pounds for a while there, um, spent four months in the NICU and same thing, you know, I always worried about how he would develop and grow up and not being able to with me, not being able to hold him and feed him and do so many things right off the bat. So it's just, it's so interesting to hear you talk about that and remember things like that, because I'm always curious. I'm like, like, he seems like your average five-year-old right now, but I'm like, I I'm just so interested to know, like how that experience has shaped him and how it will continue to shape him in his life. Right. Um, it's amazing. Well, and,
1: and the other thing, the difference, I mean, I think you were so anxious to have a baby. My, my yeah. mom was anxious <laughs> baby. Yeah. and she, and people kept saying you got married when, and they'd start counting on their fingers. And she wasn't really looking forward to having a baby that soon after she got married and, yeah. and they were just poor, you know? And so yeah. I think there were a lot of things like that, but,
0: um, that's a good my, point. I can, I can see how that would be, um, I've thought about that too because I remember our like NICU nurses telling us like you guys are always so so positive like almost like ignorantly positive like we were given some scary statistics and they didn't know if my son was going to make it for a while and we just like because we were trying so long went through infertility we had we were just happy that he was here we're like no it'll be fine like he made it here like we're good looking back we were like oh my gosh that was not great for a while right. that's got to be even I don't know crazier in the way that like all of a sudden you you know, are pregnant. That wasn't the planner. You might not be yeah. ready. And now you're dealing with that. I can understand why it was very like traumatic yeah. for your mom. My,
1: my dad, he was um, nine years older than my mom and he okay. was so excited to have a baby. So he was thrilled to have a baby.
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Heavens, He was excited, <laughs> but funny. yeah. So, um, but it's interesting because I, I've met other preemies that were, that were born at the same generation as me about yeah. some- and some of them have cerebral palsy and, and a lot of health problems. And I just think there, but by the grace of God, go I, I that could have been me. And, yeah. um, and the only thing I think the only lasting effect on me is my mom says she didn't feel like my nervous system was fully developed because I would kind of startle easy and, yeah. uh, and I very sensitive. And so I don't know if that's related you know, to the birth and being separated yeah. from my mom or not, but I am extremely sensitive. I like pick up on things really fast. And um yeah. and sometimes I picked up on things that weren't happening.
0: <laughs> <because laughs>
1: I'd get my feelings hurt and I'd miss, you know, misinterpret things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so um so I was different than my than my brother and sister that way. And so yeah. that was confusing for my mom because she was just like, why is this child always getting your feelings right. hurt?
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> she didn't know what to do with me. She was always saying, you're so sensitive. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: it, yeah. That's, that's a lot to like decipher, especially with like your first too. Mm-hmm. My preemie was my oldest and I was already figuring things out to begin with. And so I'm, I was like, I don't, is this normal? Is it Cause it's just, he's the preemie or like what? And like, as the years go on, I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything, like everything's good. But yeah, it's, I, I can see how your mom might feel like that way. You're just, as a young mom, you're just kind of lost anyway, a little bit, right. As you're learning it all. So (laughs) just adds another layer, but wow, what a, what a miracle. Cause like you said, I feel like with every passing year technology and everything in the medical field with like the hospitals and NICU are just more and more advanced. But when I hear stories of people, my age and just the different generations that, you know, are these extreme premature 28, 29, 30, 20, you know, whatever it is a premature baby. It is. I still think it's just, it's miraculous how the outcomes—it's crazy.
1: I do too. I think it's amazing. One of the things that that has been a common feeling in my life, and I—I knew it when I was young, was I felt behind, and and I know a lot of preemies feel that way. Yeah. Now I don't know why I felt that way specifically because like, like I did—I wasn't behind in my developmental milestones or yeah, you know, in my educational ability or anything. I loved to read, and I was. I love to learn. And so it wasn't academically or intellectually or anything, but socially, I felt a little bit behind. Like I, um, I was a little bit shy and not all the time, but I had moments where I was a little bit shy and then I had moments where I was really feisty. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, and I kind of had, there were times when I had independent, you know, an independent streak in me. And then there were times where I, like during, you know, my, my early teen years, you know, when I first became a teenager, I kind of pulled back and that was when I was a little bit more shy. But I I noticed that even as an adult, like um, like when I, I joined a choir it, mm-hmm. when in high school, I joined a choir. And I felt like everybody else knows how to read music. I have no idea how to read music. And I and, and then when I was an adult and I was in a choir, the same thing. I thought, oh my gosh, they know all the songs and I don't. And that thought it took me a while. Like even when I was training as a life coach, I was like, mm-hmm. everybody else has already had their own business. This is my first <laughs> time to have my own business. I've always been an employee or, you know, I haven't right. been an entrepreneur. <laughs> and I and my daughter said to me, "Oh, she goes. Do you think this is because you're a preemie? <laughs> she yeah. goes, yes. You you kind of say that. I hear you say that. You know about yeah, music or or different things where you don't feel like that's your top skill. You know, or yeah, thing that you're totally adept at. And I thought that's interesting. It it could be. And I don't really feel like I was behind in a lot of ways as a preemie, yeah. but I must have felt that." Somehow, <laughs> yeah.
0: Because I, I wonder helped. if it's just like your inner dialogue that you've always had, like because of that. Even though you were, you know, hitting your milestones and all those things is like a you know big thing for preemies, but like your core, like your personality. Yeah, maybe it's just kind of ingrained in you. I don't know.
1: Yeah, my mom know. said it was because I was a high achiever, and so I just was always like, you know, thinking I should be on the top. And when I right. was, it was like, wait, what happened? So I don't really know what the thing is, but I thought that yeah. was an interesting. thing. That's my very, daughter said, very interesting. <laughs> she said that. Yeah. And I do, as I've talked to other preemies that have grown up, a lot of them do feel behind, and that's kind of interesting. A common thing. And, and learning about the nervous regulation, how that is very common—that preemies are more prone to anxiety and depression. And mm-hmm. I thought, when I read the research, I was like, "Oh my word!" That's so fascinating because, you know, we get the stimulus and we don't really know how to deal with them because the emotional um, regulation isn't developed yet. You know, yeah. We, and we're separated <laughs> right. you know, from our mother, we don't have that same soothing skill. And so yeah. a lot of preemies um have those issues and have to learn how to to self soothe and to to deal with that. And I did have some anxiety. Um yeah. I didn't recognize the anxiety. That was the, the only way that I saw the anxiety was how I just described it. But after I had my second baby, I did develop more anxiety. We, we were in a really stressful situation in our life and I did develop anxiety and I had never had it before. And I had some postpartum depression and I was like, yeah. oh, wow, what is happening? Because I was always very positive and, um, very upbeat. I was all, my, my mom would always say, have you really thought about the, you know, the whole plan here? Like, like, what are you (laughs) going to do if this happens? And I'm like, I'll figure it out. It'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) And it always was, it always worked out, but, (laughs) um, But anyway, so then I went to college and I, like I was saying, I I studied to be a dietitian and I absolutely loved it. I just loved it. I loved everything about it. And that was when I first studied about nursing. My mom had three babies in three years. So my brother's one year younger than me and my sister's one year younger than him. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any other cousins or any little babies around. My grandma was an only child and her mom wanted to have more kids, but she only had my grandma. My grandma then had my mom. My mom was an only child and my grandma wanted more children but she only had my mom. So I didn't have any any babies around at all. I didn't yeah. even know how to take care of babies. I didn't, my mom didn't nurse, my grandma didn't nurse. Nobody that I knew nursed. <laughs> yeah. babies. But when I learned about the benefits of nursing, boy, I was going to be an exclusive nurser and that's mm-hmm. all there was to
0: it. <laughs> yeah but I don't know who was going to teach me how <laughs> <laughs> I feel that too. I didn't have come from any experience either. And with Hunter being my first and being such a preemie, I was, it kind of threw me off and yeah, I tried, I ended up just pumping exclusively because I, but I learned like the benefits of breast milk and I didn't have anyone telling me that either. And so once I knew I was like, some way, somehow we're going to make this work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. That was really dedicated.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was so determined when I, so when I had my first baby, I was induced and I, I had toxemia really bad with her and all during the pregnancy. Um, back then they used to say that you should restrict your salt, but I craved salt like crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, and I, and i didn't restrict myself like a ton yeah. <laughs> and i i just i was just like craving it like unbelievably and then i i ate so much protein i was craving protein just, like i would eat six chicken breasts you know <laughs> for lunch <yeah. laughs> i mean i I just was craving protein. What I didn't know, and they didn't know back then when I was in school, was that with toxemia, the nutrients have a hard time getting through the placenta. And so oh. the nutrition of the mom is like crucial. And so I think that my body was sending me these messages because um, I, my first daughter is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and I told her, you are so lucky I ate so much. Food with you <laughs> I gained sixty pounds, <laughs> and they also because they they restricted the sodium. A lot of people that causes an additional problem with the blood volume because it goes down. Now they don't restrict sodium, but back then they did, and I didn't follow that guideline either. And yeah, I, thank goodness. I I, yeah. I mean, now, You know now I know that I was doing the best things for my baby. I didn't know it at the time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she was born, and I had had. Um, five epidurals. They could not get me numb at all. (laughs) I'm I'm resistant
0: to that is not what you want to hear.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, so I was exhausted. It was a long, long, long labor, even though they induced me, it took forever. And, um, so after she was born, they gave me something right before she was born. I can't remember what they gave me, but they gave me another medication for okay. um, for, for pain. And um, whatever it was, it made me kind of drowsy. And I was exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> already I, exhausted. <laughs> when when we were going through the labor, my husband had, he was there with me and he's watching the monitor and the doctor's watching the monitor. And I was so tired. I would fake that I wasn't having a contraction. And they would say, wait, it looks like you're having a contraction. Didn't you just contractions I just shake my head I couldn't talk but I was just You're like
0: no nope, just let me snooze
1: I was <laughs> just so tired and finally the the doctor comes over and he goes she's having contractions and she's not telling us and my husband's like Whoop.
0: <laughs> so that's stupid And
1: we and they were going to use a section um back then they used forceps or section yeah he said we'd get the baby out and she kept going into distress and so um I was adamant at no to forceps for my baby. Mm -hmm. So they got the suction, but they were having trouble getting her out. And so the doctor took one knee, my husband took one knee, they put their arms around my back and they would say one, two, three, they'd watch the monitor because they knew they couldn't count on me to tell (laughs) And they'd say one, two, three, push. And then I'd push and and she, um, they were able to, they did the suction at the same time and they were able to get her out. (laughs) Oh, good. But so then because she was in distress, they had, she had the cord wrapped around her neck three times. Thank heavens she didn't, suffocate on the way down the birth canal because they didn't know that at the time. Mm -hmm. So she was born and they whisked her off and I'm calling out, don't give her sugar water. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I knew they did that in the hospital for yeah. babies that didn't nurse right away. And I wanted her on my chest and I wanted, you know, I was like, let mm-hmm. me hold her. And I was like, I want bonding time with my baby. <laughs> yeah.
0: Good for you. So,
1: so they brought her back to me to just for a few minutes to, to put her on I me. Mean, and then they said, we got to go do the APGAR and do all the, the yeah. tests and blah, blah, blah. So they did, but <laughs> my husband recorded we recorded the birth and i'm on there like seven times make sure they don't give her sugar <laughs> water because like,
0: i love it you knew what you wanted and you were making sure that was going to happen i love even that
1: even when i'm just so exhausted so oh yeah so, and, they, and when they brought her to me, she was exhausted and she would take a suck, suck and then stop and fall asleep. And then she, you know, when she'd wake up a little while later, she'd suck again and then fall asleep. Yeah. So I did not get a lot of stimulation for, you know, my nipple. And so yeah. I'm not getting any, I knew about letdown. I knew about, you know, everybody else was getting engorged, me, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so like the third, I don't know, the second or third day, my girlfriend and I went to the maternity shop to get a nursing bra because I didn't have one and mm-hmm. and. Actually, not and the woman came in and she said, how, how old is your baby? And I, I can't remember she's three or four days old, whatever she was, mm-hmm. whatever it was. Maybe she was five days old. I think she was five days old. Anyway, and she said, and you don't have any engorgement? And I said, no. She goes, honey, don't take the tags off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, thanks.
1: <laughs> I was <Encouraging>. so sad. <laughs> so I started pumping. I just was like, pump, 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 you know, <laughs> just every second. And my husband was worried sick. Because he was adopted and he didn't get fed well when during his first few okay. years of life, and so he's like, "I am giving that baby a bottle," and I'm like, "Absolutely not!" And he said, oh "She's God. starving," because he'd look when I'd pump and I'd get like half an inch of colostrum. Right, right. He's like, "That's all you're doing." Oh my gosh! <laughs> so anyway, but my milk did come in, and, and then my milk was like half cream, and every time I pumped, like if we had a babysitter or whatever, yeah. my husband would say. Cannot believe how much cream you have. (laughs) You're like a Jersey cow. My husband's hilarious. He's a cattleman.
0: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: People wouldn't think that was a compliment, but he meant it. Yeah, yeah.
0: That is too funny. Let's take a quick break. It brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the I'm on podcast with new episodes every Monday. Yeah, oh
1: so gosh. So that was that was her birth, and I was so so thrilled to be a
0: mom. And I just was that something. So I I ask a lot of people on the show, like, was that something that was you knew was a given for you? Like, you always wanted to be a mom, or did it kind of just have? Everyone has seems to have their own story. Like, I I know for me, I've thought about it as like that's all I thought about. Like even as a child, I was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life one day, but I do know I want to be a mom. Like that was a given.
1: Yeah, you know that's interesting because my mom was a, a full time stay at home mom. Her mom my grandma worked and so my yeah. mom was just like she hated being a latchkey child and being all by herself and so mm-hmm. she was like I am staying home with my kids and I loved having my mom home I absolutely loved it I I was so thankful and she was so interested in you know our day when we'd come home she would just visit with us cuz we were all like little triplets you know so we'd yeah, all three totally tell her stories and, and my mom was very you know, she's PTA president. She was just so interested in our lives and she was so supportive of what we were doing. So was my dad. They were both just very interested in, in, in us. Our family was like the most important thing. So I did want to have kids, but I had this thought and you know how sometimes people have intrusive thoughts that just Mm -hmm. pop in there. Well, this was an intrusive thought that I had as a girl. I thought I was going to die before I,
0: before I got to high school, I
1: thought I was going to die. And then I thought, if I make it to high school, see that was probably anxiety.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was coming. I can relate to anxiety. Yep. So then, when I when
1: I got closer to high school, and I was I didn't have cancer or anything, you know, I thought, mm-hmm. well, if I if I make it to high school, I'll die before I graduate. Well, then I graduated, and then I thought, well, I'm probably going to die before I get married, and and I probably won't ever be able to have kids. I don't know why I had that thought, That's but so I think it was because I think it was because it was something that was that I loved so much that I could have gotten distracted from that. And so I did go to college. I wanted, I, you know, I loved learning. And so I was excited to get a degree And my, that was important in my family. We were raised, you know, to get an education and everything, but my husband really wanted to have kids too. And so it was interesting because I, because I hadn't been around babies, I babysat, but I always babysat toddlers and older kids. And everybody would say, you know, they just said, you were just such a natural. My dad told me I should be a child psychologist because I loved kids, but I didn't love babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when we, when we got married, my husband would watch me and I, and I didn't ooh and goo over babies. You know, I would just look at him and say, Oh, they're cute. And then I would go on and he's like, yeah, what are you going to be like as a mom? I mean, cause I was, you know, working in my field and right. <laughs> and so, and his sisters had all these babies, you know, and everything. And, um, and so as soon as I got pregnant, boom, I was, and it took a lot of faith for me to get pregnant just because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I had PMS really bad. Mm-hmm. So I, I just didn't know. I'd heard horror stories about women being um, just so moody during their pregnancies and being so yeah. cranky. I thought, oh, I don't know if my husband could handle nine months of that.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's scary. Cause you're not totally confident on how it's going to change you. I had like horrible periods and PMS growing up and I, I didn't have the anxiety that I like was gonna die, but I definitely had anxiety growing up that I was like, I think something's gonna be wrong. Like I'm never gonna be able to be a mom. And to this day, I'm still like, I hope I didn't like manifest that onto myself. I'm grateful I have two children, but I mean, not without all the things and trying. So it's interesting, like how the feelings kind of play out. And um, I've already lost my train of thought. I'm like, where was I going with that? I don't know. So as soon as you started talking, I was like, yes, that's how I felt. I was scared because I was like, I don't want to turn into a crazy person. Like. What if it like rocks my marriage? Like we just got married, all the things like.
1: Right. So when we got married, I was working 60 hours a week as a dietitian. I was starting a brand new business with, I was working at a hospital. It was a brand new hospital. They had none of the equipment or any staff. And so it was brand new. I was just working like a dog. And um, well, my, that wasn't my first job right when we got married, but shortly after we got yeah. married, I did like a couple months and my husband was working and he was going to college still. And I did not know that the birth control pill was what was causing that P, the PMS that was so terrible. I had no idea that that affected women that way. Cause I'd never heard of anybody having any problem with, with yeah. birth control pills and then as soon as i conceived and it's like i said i was scared to get pregnant i wanted yeah. to have kids but i was scared honestly and so mm-hmm. but i but in faith i decided to go ahead and um i was the happiest woman alive my husband was like you are just an angel he said <laughs> we should have 12 kids he said oh my gosh the happiest i've ever seen you
0: <laughs> wow that's amazing. What a, what a change. It's not crazy. Like it was a huge change. Yeah. And
1: I was, I told, I told my daughter, she taught me what joy was because then I'll get emotional. Because oh, I love that. Brought me so much joy. And, um, and I'm so grateful. All my kids have, have been the biggest blessing in my life. And I'm so thankful to be a mom. And so I didn't know that was going to be how I felt. And, and after I had my, my first baby, I was thinking of all the scary things that people had told me about being a mom and, oh, you're never going to get to sleep and you're going to be, you know, tied at the hip and blah, blah, blah. People would just tell me all these horrible things. And as my daughter's eyes would watch me everywhere I went, like when I, when she got a little bit older, you know, when I'd walk through the room and she'd just watch me everywhere. And I said, nobody told me how this child would adore me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I would feel so adored and loved. I, I just, I had never felt that adoration before and, yeah. uh, or the joy. And so when my daughters, you know, were getting ready to get pregnant and, and, you know, they were married and thinking about it. And, and I told them, let me just tell you, cause everybody was telling them all the yes. words. And I said, let me tell you, cause I had talked about it a lot, but they'd forgotten through the years, you know? And yeah. so they were like, Oh, that's yeah. so awesome. And I said, this is going to be such a, such a
0: wonderful thing, you know, and such a blessing. I'm so glad that you brought that up and that you shared that with your daughter because, I mean, it's true. It's like, I don't know what it is about such a beautiful thing that the first thing everyone tells you is like, oh, like get sleep while you can or life's never gonna never going to be the same and all this stuff. And like, all that's true, but not in a negative way, it, you know, like you're, you are going to change and life is going to change and you are going to at first be lacking sleep and everything. But what, yeah, what they don't tell you is all the amazing things. And I, I've noticed this recently with a lot of my friends who, um, you know, we're the same age, but you know, I've put off having kids. I want kids, but they're just, and they hear me talk sometimes and they're like, why, why would I want, why would I want to do this? All you talk about is like, you can't get out of the house with us. You can't do this. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, but my, you're my friend. So I think I'm just venting. I should start like telling you more about like the amazing things that motherhood is. I mean. Yeah, that needs to be more talked about cuz everyone's quick to tell you all the negative stuff. <laughs> yeah. And
1: and the thing one of the things that was so interesting to me about the pregnancy was besides being filled with so much joy was I felt my daughter with me. I was working at a really stressful job. I mean, incredibly stressful. And and I felt her with me. And it felt like I had a friend. You know, yeah. and I was and I and I would tell her that. And the thing that was that was so interesting. Now, I, I forgot to mention this, but as a teenager, um when people would talk about, you know, being a mom and, and preparing yourself to be a mom in a positive way, there were some people yeah. that didn't talk about it in a positive yeah, way. Good. <laughs> like if I, like if I was at a lecture or something and somebody mm-hmm. was talking, I remember one specific lecture in, in particular that this woman said, um, you need to be preparing now to be the very best person you can be for your baby that is going to come to your home because you want to be, you know, have the qualities that you would want. To her, the kind of home you would want your baby to be raised in. And I was mm-hmm. like, that urgency came back. I got to right. hurry up and be the best person. <laughs> I <can. laughs> yeah. And I worked like a dog. I mean, and, and what was so interesting was I worked so hard to be physically and, and emotionally and mentally prepared, you know, mm-hmm. to have her. And then I worked so hard to be the best mother as I was raising her. And I remember I'll tell you this little story because yep. this just is so me, <laughs> but, um, my husband and I, when he would hurt my feelings, mm-hmm. I would, my brain would go blank and I couldn't think of anything. And, and I, and I was just like, sometimes my husband was raised around cattle. So he swears <laughs> and I was not raised with swearing. So when he would swear at me, yeah, I would be shocked. I would just be like, Oh, yeah. he is he swearing at me? <laughs> well, that's just the way they talk to cows, you know? Yeah. Like just was raised with that. And that's just, that was no big deal to him, but I didn't understand that at first. So, so anyway, he would always say to me, you know, why are you going quiet? What, you know, are you just giving me the silent treatment? And I'm like, no, there's like nothing in there. And he'd Be like, you have nothing in your brain. You're thinking all the time. You're such a busy thinker. And I'm like, there's nothing in there. And I'd, I'd be racking my brain, trying to think of something to say. And then when I had my feelings hurt, it it was hard for me to to forgive and to to get over that, and mm-hmm. um, so I was working really hard because I did not want my daughter to learn that from me. I thought yeah. I did not want her to have that weakness because I didn't like that weakness, and because I was so sensitive. I mean, it was it's not very fair for the other person because <laughs> when you get your feelings hurt over you know somebody talking sharply to you and they yeah. say sorry or whatever and you still can't get over it. I mean, that's not really fair to them. Mm-hmm. So so I worked and worked and worked on this. Character trait on myself, and um, so when she was born, and I was working harder and harder trying to hurry up in this urgency, right. I gotta hurry up and get yeah. over this That I have, <laughs> she was about four years old. We had our second baby, and mm-hmm. um, and she was in the backseat of the car, and we were driving. We had to drive about four hours to the hospital. So we we're coming back with the baby and her and my husband was so exhausted and he was so cranky and he got mad and I got my feelings hurt. And, mm-hmm. and he was just like, Are, you know, aren't you over it by now? Cause we're in the car for four hours. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, and my, <laughs> I had said this to my little girl, all, all these years, you know, to forgive quickly. I said, you need to forgive quickly. And if she got her feelings hurt. I would help her process. I helped her talk about her feelings. I would have a little card with pictures on it before she could use the words. And I would say, how do you feel? Because she would just get, she had very strong emotions. So I'd have her point to the picture and say the feeling. But as she was verbal, then I would say, okay, you need to, you need to talk about it because I did not want her to have a yeah. hard time talking that I did. And I said, um, and you need to, you need to forgive quickly. And, and then I would say, and if you don't, then you have to go to timeout. So, <laughs> I didn't know about, I didn't know about, I mean, that was just the big, the big way that people disappoint yeah. timeout. Yeah. I, I didn't do that later, but I did then. So, mm-hmm. so anyway, in the car ride. So my husband's saying, you know, he's annoyed with me because I'm not over it. And my little girl pops up four years old in the backseat, mom, you know, the rule we have to forgive quickly, or you have to go to timeout.
0: Oh my gosh. I <laughs> love I that.
1: Like, Karen, Karen, you got to hurry up and figure this out and, and figure <laughs> out how to forgive quicker.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. And I, and I did. And if that um, doesn't prove that our kids are listening, even if we don't think they're getting it. Oh my gosh. That's, that's awesome. <laughs>
1: totally. And so I always tell my kids, they were the greatest motivators for me to be the best version of myself because <laughs> I know we pass on our
0: weaknesses, but I wanted mm-hmm. to do the very best job of passing on as little as possible. <laughs> yeah. I I totally agree. But it's, it's so interesting because even if we're, of course, as moms, we're like worried about passing on, you know, the traits we don't like about ourselves and all of that. But in a way it's like, yeah, our children are so helpful in helping us be the best version of ourselves, whether we're ready to or not. I mean, I've only been a mom for five years now and I already feel like I've accomplished more and grown so much in these five years just because of them, you know, like they're just like this constant motivator. And my husband feels the same way. And we were both raised pretty differently. And we talk about it all the time. We're like, oh God, I don't, I don't want them to be like, like this, like how I was when I was little. And, And then we work on it and, you know, we all do our best. Right. But at the end of the day, it it is truly amazing how our children just constantly inspire us to be like the best version of ourselves and no one's perfect. Right. But yeah, that is such a cute story,
1: (laughs) but it's a journey. And, and my, I, I was intensified in my motivation. And so I tell my kids all the time, I thank them all the time because without them, I wouldn't be who I am today because I wouldn't have had as high of a uh, motivation, you know. I mean, yeah, I still was working on it before that, but I but boy, I really worked a lot harder. And my husband, like you said, my husband too. He yeah. worked really hard to not pass on the same things, you know, that were role modeled for him. Yeah. So that was my first baby. So then my second baby. He lasted, I mean, he was two weeks overdue. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we were in a massively stressful situation. My husband had bought his parents' bankrupt business and many people in the town had been laid off by the only industry. It was a very, very rural town in Arizona and um, the economy was tanking and people weren't buying houses and And it was a title company and it was just so stressful. So we were paying their bills and our bills with no income. Wow. And we were taking out loans and we were, this was kind of sudden because his mom had had several strokes. And so we were living in Illinois. So nobody else in the family wanted to help with the title company and nobody else wanted to buy a bankrupt title company, but my husband was willing to do that. So we took out loans and we were in the process of trying to get pregnant at that time. Yeah, We didn't know how bad it was going to be when we got there. My husband kind of thought, oh, well, we'll just, you know, a month or two and we'll Turn things around. We'll take out these loans and we'll be okay. And we were not in a position to be taking out loans, but back then they let us do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden, when we realized how I mean, we were losing like twenty thousand dollars a month. It was massive, massive, um, awful financial situation. And so we, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not sure this is a good time to get pregnant. Yeah. (laughs) I already was. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, luckily I, I had already thought I would like to have another baby. So, I mean, it wasn't like terrible, yeah. but anyway, he was two weeks late and and then we had to go the four hours to the doctor and I kept going into to preterm labor with him. And so okay. I was timing it, you know, the contractions are a minute apart. And my husband and I are like, should we go? Should we not? And we're four hours away. He's like, I don't want to have that baby. Cause we had to drive through a really um, remote Canyon and, and it was switchbacks and you know, it was wild. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: no, not an easy he, drive for like, no, the, yeah. The, yeah, like you hop on the Yeah, you don't hop on the
1: freeway and just get to right. the hospital. <laughs> and he was like, Karen, I don't want to do that. We went down twice. And as soon as we got to the hospital, the contraction started slowing down. I mean, oh I was sure we were going to have that baby. And um, anyway, but we didn't. And so wow. finally, I went and stayed about an hour away from the hospital with my sister in law and my husband. As soon as he dropped me off and turned around and started going back home, I, would, I broke my water and we didn't have cell phones back then. So I couldn't have called him. I had to wait till he got home. But anyway, um, so he got home and and I'm like, guess what? <laughs> we had to turn oh around God. and come back. So we <laughs> we get to the hospital and we were so poor. I mean, we were so poor. So I had found the cheapest place to have a baby and I brought all the diapers and my own Tylenol. And and so I said, um, how much does an epidural cost? And they said, oh, honey, those are like couple thousand. And I'm like, I'm like, well, yes. I don't know if we can do an epidural. And and they said, you know what, if you make it through this labor without an epidural, you deserve new furniture. So I, um, so I start laboring and it was just slow, just like my daughter, just slow, 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 slow. This time I had learned a lot more and I wanted to do a little boyer method where in the water, but they didn't have a, a bath. You know, to put the baby in. So I was in the shower. So I'm laboring Mm -hmm. in the shower, and my husband is getting tired of waiting. (laughs) He's a little (laughs) bit impatient. And so he leans up against the call button and bumps it with his elbow. He doesn't know he does. He did. But anyway, the nurse comes (laughs) running in because I'd been in there for a couple hours. Yeah. Running in, and she's like, "What? What? What? What's going on?" And we all looked because none of us knew that he had pushed the button. And she said, "Somebody pushed the call button." And my husband is really (laughs) quick, just really quick, and he goes. Well, I I wanted to know if you could get me a Big Mac, a chocolate shake, and an order of fries. And she goes, <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> so and, um, and so I'm laboring, laboring, and it's getting more painful and more painful. And um, and I'm just like, well, maybe I. This was several hours after later, like six Ugh. hours later, and I said, maybe I could do a Tylenol. Let's ask if I can do a Tylenol. So we, my husband this time buzzed her on purpose, and she comes back in. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, what? And he said, I was just checking to see if that order was ready yet. Did you bring my thing back <laughs> fries and shake yet? She goes, you are not funny. And I was just <laughs> laughing and laughing. And she uh, goes, so lucky she's laughing. She
0: goes, because you're not funny <laughs> That is hilarious. I, I said, is there any way I can have a ton at all? And she yeah. said, by the way, remember the pain and <laughs> the labor. <Yes. laughs> and
1: she goes, Well, let's check you. Let's see how you're doing. So she gets, you know, up there and she goes, whoa. She goes, you're your transition. And she goes, and it's right? <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, really?
0: You just needed some laughter.
1: (laughs) I just needed some laughter. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't
0: know I was in transition
1: while I was in the shower, but I was. And so he had the cord wrapped around his neck twice Wow! and it took him a long time to get him down, but he made it. And Mm -hmm. uh, luckily he also did not get strangled, but he did aspirate the meconium. And so he had pneumonia when he was born. And so back then they didn't have pumps where you could you know, pump the milk and, and we had yeah. a hotel. And so I had to leave and go stay with my sister that was an hour away. So I couldn't nurse him the first two days. Okay, yeah. I was sick. I was just sick about it. <laughs> that little boy needed, you know, to be nursed, yep. but as soon as I got him, I, you know, I did, I, I nursed, yeah. him. but my husband, because my first child was exclusively nursed and she didn't get formula at all. He was like, I don't know. I don't think that's a really good idea for my son. think <laughs> You know, it's not like we need to be able to go on a date, you know, or something. Yeah. And it probably would be a good idea if he took a bottle. It's yeah.
0: funny how our opinions change from like the first kid to the second kid too. Cause like the dynamic changes and, right. and right. it doesn't always go as like how you thought it would, because at least that was for me. I was like, I'm just going to do the same. But then all of a sudden you've got two little ones and I'm like, no, well, maybe I might have to switch things up just a little.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't want to, but my husband was adamant about it. So we and he had gotten formula in the hospital, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they didn't have a milk bank or anything. So I would give him formula like a couple of times a week or whatever. And he had colic like, so severe. And I think he was allergic to cow's milk. But oh. the doctor didn't think he was allergic to it. And um anyway, he did not sleep. He would, he would go, he would just cry, 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 cry all day, all night. And once in a while he would fall asleep for like 10 minutes and I would just be like, oh, and then he would just wake up and start screaming again. I mean, I just barely closed my eyes and, and I rocked him all the time. I just rock him and rock him. And he had projectile vomiting. It was just awful. And I remember the doctor, like I said, we lived in a very rural area. The doctor wanted to give him Paragoric, which back then was what they did for colic and that causes learning defects. And, oh, wow. um, but I knew a lot of people that had used it and they were like, oh, that you got to give that to him, you know, or, or whiskey or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to sleep. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so I was like, no, I don't care. I am not giving that to my child. I just felt so strongly about it. And I didn't even yeah. any research it and I didn't have Google, so I couldn't look it up for anything, mm-hmm. but I just felt in my heart that was wrong. And so I just held him, I just held him day and night and just rocked him and rocked him, and rocked him. I ended up getting so sick from the lack of sleep that my organs started shutting down. Wow! And then I had postpartum depression and just from the lack of sleep, you know, I was physically depleted. And and with the stress that my husband was under, he was working like, oh, between 16 and more hours a day. He would go to work at four in the morning and come home at midnight. And that was just a common day for him. It was just... Extremely stressful trying to resurrect that bankrupt business. So that was really stressful. But when my son was a year, things started turning around in the business. And when he was about two, he started sleeping and I was so grateful. And he was the best sleeper too. He just slept all night. He'd fall asleep in a second.
0: You know, Amazing. Thank it. God.
1: Was, yeah. <laughs> hey, I know exactly. I was so grateful. And the sweetest boy, just the most loving, cuddly. <laughs> he always says, It's your fault that I'm so cuddly. And I cuddled with my daughter all the time and I held her all yeah. the time, her all the time, but my son was. I mean, he did get help more. <laughs> I, was rocking yeah. him all the time. I was also very conscious of my daughter because I didn't want her to be jealous. So I did all these games with her. Like I would get a jump rope and I'd stick one end in a laundry basket and I'd hold the other end and I'd nurse the baby, you know, my little boy, I was doing. And I'd teach her jump rope songs and I would teach her to jump on one foot and I would throw her a ball and I would read her stories. I mean, I was doing everything to try and make sure and I would ha- let her help bathe his feet and I would let mm-hmm. her help change the diaper. And I did not want her to feel like she was being displaced.
0: <laughs> because, yeah, Which is watch. such a common feeling. I feel like when you go from one child to two, because I was very worried about that too. I was like, how can I even love another child as much as my first? And then they always tell you like your heart will double and all these things. And of course they're right, but it still doesn't shake that feeling of making sure that your oldest is included and spending time. And, and I think that is just like such a common healing for sure.
1: It was such a huge thing to me. And I had seen other kids be jealous and hit their siblings and things. So the house that we lived in was an adobe house. It was absolutely horrific and it was full of cockroaches and they were in the basement. But one day, one of the cockroaches got in the house and I was in the other room and my little boy was close to a year. Anyway, she had a wooden spoon and she was going to hit him with it. And I thought, oh, the jealousy has come out. It's happening, it's happening. <laughs> she is so mad at him, and I and I said, Stephanie, what are you doing? She goes, Mama. She goes, go, go just. And there was a cockroach on him. And so she was going to get that oh my cockroach. Oh, that was the only thing that she ever did. And she was so protective of him. She took him to school for show and tell when she oh my was, gosh. When she was um, five, she took him on the bus and I couldn't find him anywhere. And, and he loved to go to the neighbor's house by then. And I was like, where is he? And I'm, I'm calling all the neighbors, you know, and I'm calling the school. I don't know. I had, I had no idea that she would take him on. She, yeah, stuck him on the bus and took him to the school.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so, adorable and also he, terrifying!
1: Holy charm! Now, because we lived in such a rural area, I didn't think he got kidnapped, but he could have been. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, <laughs> you know? I get it.
1: And she would always bring him home all the treats from the school parties. She just absolutely adored him, <laughs> and Aww. they were really close. So then things were getting stressful again. And my husband was gone a lot and his parents were aged and he was taking care of his mom. She was very sick. She kept having strokes. And so he was there in town helping with her and everything. So I thought maybe I'll get my tubes tight because life is just way too stressful. And, mm-hmm. um, and my husband was Just not around. He was at one point, he was working nine jobs. And so, I mean, seriously. And so I was like, you know, and he loves to work anyway, but I just thought, you know, I don't know, maybe two is all I can do. And I always thought, I forgot to tell you this part. I used to babysit two families at once. They both had four kids. So I always thought I would love to have eight kids because I loved watching all eight of these kids. Now, none of Uh them are dating. Yeah. But I thought it would be fun to have a big family at that (laughs) point in time. So when my husband and I were dating and he said, How many kids do you want? And I said, eleven. And he said, eleven. (laughs) Youngest of eight. So I didn't think eleven would phase him. And he Yeah, why is that scary? (laughs) And I said, okay, well, how about eight? And he goes, Eight. He goes, Oh my gosh. Well, by the time his brother was two years old than him, but then the next one I think was six years older. So by the time he was older, they were all gone. You know. Anyway, He wasn't used to being around a big family he babysat his nieces and nephews, and he didn't want to have a whole bunch of kids. Yeah. So I thought, okay, maybe this is what we need to do. And because I'd had the postpartum depression, I was a little bit scared about, you know, yeah. what, what if I don't get over that or whatever. So I went to the doctor and I said, I want to tie my tubes. And he goes, you're so young. <laughs> like I was 30 something. And I thought I'm not that young anyway. And he said, have you really thought about this? And I told him all the trials that we were going through. Mm-hmm. If I told you, you don't have enough time, but we had like <laughs> so massive trials that we were going through. And so he said, what if your two children died? He said, would you want more children? And I said, well, yeah, I, of course, I mean, yeah. And he goes, then you don't want to do something permanent, like tie your tubes. And and I had told him about my organs shutting down and how sick I had been. Mm-hmm. And he said, just, you can just do other things like an IUD or something like that. And he said, you don't have to tie your tubes. And then. Yeah. Reverse that, and I said, "Okay." And so I didn't, but sure enough, things settled down and life got better. Mm-hmm. And we're so happy, and and I was holding my friend's baby. My friend had had a baby, and while I was holding her baby, I felt my third child with me, and I felt that she was letting me know that she was there and that she mm-hmm. wanted to be born. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I, I just I just couldn't believe it. I was just like, oh my gosh, it was just so powerful and so strong. So I told my husband and he said, wow, he said, great, let's do it. So I got pregnant and I had had several miscarriages before that. So I didn't even know if I could get pregnant, Yeah, but I was able to get pregnant. And then um, we got in a car accident, a really, really bad car accident. And I broke ribs and it was just bad, but, but I lost the baby. I had another miscarriage and, um, and then I got pregnant again and I was, I I really didn't know. I thought, am I just going to keep having these miscarriages? Because I didn't have any trouble getting pregnant with the first two. So I was, that I was having miscarriages. And one of them happened when I was at the post office and it was just like, so awful. You know, I'm just like, oh my word. And I didn't really know that was my first one. I didn't really know what was happening. Yeah. So we got pregnant and I was pregnant with our third baby and, I could just feel that she was just this sweet, sweet little thing. And my oldest daughter was always saying, mom, when are you going to have another baby? When are you going to have another baby? And I'm like, honey, I remember yeah. <laughs> so much. You know, she was my little mother. She helped my mother. She helped me with all the chores. She worked really hard in school. And I was just like, oh, I, I just, you know, I feel bad because I, I forgot this part. Our house was infested with mold. Every kind of mold mm-hmm. that there was, one of the molds was stachybotrys mold, which causes your blood vessels in your lungs to explode and bleed and people die from that. And so I was having major health problems every year, oh, Wow! sometimes twice, three times a year, I would get pneumonia and just be in bed. So I needed my daughters. I relied on her a lot. When I was pregnant with our third baby, I went into preterm labor again. And she, at six years old, was on a chair. I had to teach her how to cook dinner and how to do the laundry. And when she had a six year old, she said, there's no way I was six. And I was like, do the math. (laughs) You were six years old. And she goes, I can't believe I did that at six. And I said, I know you always think I'm lying, but you really did. And you really were that capable. And I really did need you. (laughs) Because dad was not home, so we had her, and the delivery was just smooth and took forever. Again, I labored mm-hmm. in the shower. Again. My husband fell asleep. The- oh my gosh, <laughs> so exhausted. But she was finally born. But I hemorrhaged really bad after. Okay. I lost so much blood that I can't remember what my hematocrit was. I should have memorized that, but it was it was a six. Either the hemoglobin or hematocrit, I think it was hemoglobin. Can't remember, but mm-hmm. it was so low. It was a six, and they said, Wow, you'd have gone into cardiac arrest because it was so bad, but they were just finding out about tainted blood at that point in time. And because it was such a rural area, they didn't have any blood. They didn't know if they would yeah. really give me blood. And so I didn't get any. And they said, just lay in bed as flat as you can for two weeks and try and regain your strength. <laughs> so I did. The yeah. other thing that was very challenging for me during my pregnancies was I didn't have any help. My mother-in-law was um, in her seventies and having strokes. So she was out of commission. Right not able to help me. We lived in her town, but she was not able to help me. My husband was the youngest and his siblings were older and they had their own families and they weren't able to help me. I was in Arizona. My mother was in California. She didn't come out for my births or for when I had my babies to help take care of me afterward. She did come out when my daughter was two or three weeks old because my husband mm-hmm. graduated from college. And so she combined the trip for his graduation and came out. But by then I was, you know, I was up in going and everything. But I had, I really had, was on my own, you know, with my pregnancies and my deliveries, except for my That's husband. Hard. Thank yeah. heavens I had my husband, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't have somebody to take care of me afterward. And so I remember that was really challenging with my third baby to, to just take care of these two other children and be as weak as could be. I mean, I could barely lift my hand up to be uh, so exhausted,
0: but we made it through and, yeah. um,
1: <laughs> and we wow. ate lots of peanut butter sandwiches. I would just lay in bed, and make peanut butter you
0: sandwiches you know, you do what you can, you do what you can. That's wild to me too, because I just feel like they know so much more now, even in like the last five years, I feel like about postpartum and it's being talked about a lot more and like what a mom is actually going through in the three months following her birth. Everyone talks about the fourth trimester and everything. And that was just not the case even like 10 years ago. So it's, it's, that's hard when you're just like, all right, I'll just lay here do my best. And we'll get through it. Like that's all you can do. Right.
1: Yeah. And so I was worried sick. She was going to have colic because my second one did. So I didn't know, is she going to sleep? You know, oh my goodness. My oldest daughter was seven when she was born. She was six during the pregnancy, but she, she turned seven and my third daughter was born in summer. So every morning she would get up at the crack of dawn, as soon as the light came through her window, she would come get her. It was like five or six o'clock in the morning. She'd take her out of my room and take her in, in the other room so that I could sleep because I was just nursing her in bed with me. So then she would, as soon as she knew she needed to nurse, she'd bring her back to me. I would nurse the baby and then she would go change her diaper and take her back. And and I didn't do anything. I mean, she would just, she was just... Wow. She was a, a saint, a child, and she didn't resent me. And that was the thing that blew me away because people said, I bet she's just so resentful of you. And I said, She's the one that keeps asking for more babies. And she keeps, yeah, didn't have to say, If you take care of the baby, I will let you watch more TV or whatever. It yeah. was like that with her. She was just always so anxious to help me. We had our fourth baby, and the same thing. I felt, I felt, you know, him very close. And that delivery was kind of funny because we had a hotel that got a jacuzzi in the same town as the hospital. And I was so excited to labor in the (laughs) jacuzzi. So we were there and a long, 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 long labor. Again, we had gone to the hospital, the same thing. They were like, nope, you're not doing anything. You're not dilating. You know, I've been contracting for a day and a half, you know, nothing's happening. And so finally I told my husband, let's just check into the hotel and then we don't have to go all the way home. And we'll just go from the hotel to the hospital. So I was in the jacuzzi and he was watching this show on TV. And after a while, he goes, Karen, he goes, you stop talking. He goes, how are you doing over there? And I said, fine. And so he started watching the show for a while long. I was in transition, but I was not telling him what was going on. And so he, he goes, you're really quiet. And he goes, Karen, Karen, look at me. He goes, talk to me. <laughs> Cause he knew I could fake it out through the contractions. Oh my gosh. So he's like, he looked at my eyes and I couldn't talk that time. And he goes, <laughs> "You're he pulls the plug, uh, makes me get out of the jacuzzi. And I'm just like dying. And then I had to get in the, way up high into the truck. <laughs> we get to the hospital and within two minutes, he was born.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. That is hilarious. And so different than your other experiences. <laughs> yes. Well, I labored all that. Because week. you knew, you, you knew, but yeah.
1: yeah. It, was a, it was still the same long labor, but the hospital time was very short.
0: <laughs> right. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. So those are my delivery stories. <laughs> and so oh anyway, I was a lactation consultant and I helped all these people because I love nursing and I nursed a long, long time with
0: all my kids. <laughs> I love that. Wow. Like full circle. It's amazing. Like you went from this like two pound preemie to a mom of four and you took all your skills into your work and everything. It's it's just absolutely amazing. Your story is very interesting. And I love hearing your perspective because I'm at the beginning of my motherhood journey. So to talk to you about like your, your four grown children and how everything kind of panned out, it's funny. And I talked about this with my mom and my friends, my aunt too. It's like, there's always the core commonalities in motherhood that we can all share, whether it was two years ago, 20 years ago, whatever it is. It's nice to know that, you know, as women, we can all come together in these certain experiences, but then also just the different things that have changed as well from like yeah. each generation and what we're taught. And, and it's so inspiring that you stuck to what you wanted. And even if you knew nothing about it, like, I feel like I'm constantly doing that. I'm doing this research. And but as a mom, it's a combination of like asking my mom, well, what, what did you do or what did you do with this? And then finding the stuff that I'm really passionate about and being like, well, this is how I'm going to do it. And no matter what,
1: <laughs> And you know, that was one of the things that was so interesting. I had very, very strong opinions about like staying home with my kids. My, my girlfriends that graduated with me, they were working as a dietitian. They're like, why are you working while your kids are little, you know, they yeah. don't even know if you're there or not, but the impressions were so strong to stay home. And I did not mm-hmm. know why that was going to be so important, but later many, many years later, when they were teenagers, I found out. And I yes. was like, oh my goodness. Now looking back, I am so grateful that I did those things that I felt in my gut that I, that defied everybody else. I mean, it defied everything that everybody else was doing. It defied things the doctors were telling me to do, but I just, I, I did, I was very determined and I am so grateful that I yeah. did those things now, because now I know the consequences of what would have happened, but I didn't then. And yeah. so it was really trusting my mother's intuition and trusting myself, especially it was hard when everybody told me I was doing it wrong. Even my parenting, I parented very differently than most people. And I got criticized a lot for the way yeah. that I
0: parented. I think that's life. really great advice though, because as a mom, you really do need to trust your gut. And especially with all the information that's out there and everything we have access to between social media and different platforms and everything, it it can get really overwhelming with all the advice. And you know, before I felt like it used to just be like your mom or whoever was close to you, obviously chiming in with what they think you should do. But now there's all these different expectations and different ways that people are doing things and they're all out there for you to see. So it can get very overwhelming and confusing at least that's how I felt sometimes but I'm happy to hear that even with grown children you are so happy that you always trusted your gut because it's true like as a mom you know what's best for your kids and I think that's really great advice for moms out there listening to just trust your gut and and you can't go wrong I think if you do that
1: yeah and the other thing I mean I prayed a lot and you know I was like Lord you know this child better than I do so please tell me what you want me to do with this child because my children had different personalities you know oh yeah so I didn't parent each child the exact same way.
0: <laughs> right. and that was kind of frustrating for them. Yeah. And I'm just now learning that with a five and a three-year-old because I thought I had it. I'm like, okay, I got this. This is what I did for him. I'll do it for him. And then very quickly, you realize how different kids are and they need different things from you. It's not as simple as figure it out and repeat.
1: <laughs> you know what? This was such a joyous conversation with you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. I have loved this conversation. It's been so inspiring. And I just loved hearing your personal story. We got in touch through our podcast. So I would love for you to mention your podcast as well. The Hero Within. Tell listeners a little bit about that. Okay.
1: So my podcast is stories from people that have gone through really difficult situations and how they've navigated those things. And it's inspiration about how they have found hope and healing. Because when I went through my very difficult times, we didn't have social media. We didn't have podcasts. And so I didn't know anybody that had gone through the things that I had gone through. And I would talk to people, but they'd be like, I don't know what to tell you. And so I yeah. always wanted to write a book and I'm in the process of doing that. But when I found out about podcasts, I was like, oh my gosh, I could do the stories in the podcast as interviews or vice versa. And people could hear stories. And even if they don't have the exact same experience, they'll have the same feelings and something that they say will resonate with someone out there that is looking for something to help them. And so that's why I started my podcast.
0: Absolutely. I love that so much. I've been listening and I highly recommend everyone else check it out too. We'll of course put a link in the show notes so they can find your podcast easily. And I just so appreciate you talking to me today. It's been lovely.
1: (laughs) thank you you for the joy you brought to me going down on a trip down memory lane
0: (laughs) yes that's that's always fun especially when it's about our kids right
1: (laughs) right right thank you thank you so much i felt honored to be a guest
0: thanks for tuning into this episode if there's one thing you could take away remember this always trust your gut as a mom if you have a gut feeling about something chances are you're right There's always going to be advice thrown at you and social media videos and articles and an abundance of information coming your way in motherhood. But at the end of the day, if you feel called to do something specific for your child or do things in a certain way, chances are that's going to be the best option for you. Always trust your gut and get excited for next week's episode. You'll hear my interview with Anna Herrera, who is the founder and CEO of Hormone University. She'll discuss the importance of hormonal wellness, share her story with endometriosis and failed IVF, and talk about why she launched her company to help other women. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Be sure to hit the fifth star and leave a review for the podcast and tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode. I'll talk to you then.